Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from John McGregor, the extension support person with Manitoba Forge and Grassland Association, and Dan Bossy, president of Egg Resource Company, offers his thoughts following this morning's USDA stocks and seeding report. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Farm broadcaster Corey Knute spoke with John McGregor, extension support person with Manitoba Forge and Grassland Association, about when to put cattle out on pasture this spring, hay storage, and the Green Gold Program. Knowing when to put cattle out on pasture, um, can you give us a few, a few tips there? Well, Corey, I think the the, the key uh, for for cattle on pasture is that uh, last last year we saw pastures take a real beating from the dry conditions and and the feed shortages, and uh, therefore you know they're in pretty rough shape. And so, ideally, what uh, producers would be looking at is putting pasture, cattle out on pasture when it's six to eight inches tall. Now, that may not be um, practical if you're starting to run out of feed. But um, it does, by giving the pasture a chance to get to that height, it does give the roots a chance to replenish. And uh, uh, once they're grazed, then cattle can uh, go back uh, after they've grazed it a bit and they can set up a very good rotational system. From what you've been hearing, um, how did farmers make out over the winter as far as uh, feed supply? You know, Corey, that varies throughout the province. Uh, we had areas that uh, were very, very short of feed. We had other areas that... Uh, uh, had uh, enough feed that uh, they thought they could make it through the winter. Uh, guess on the positive side, from what I have been hearing, is um, due to the fact that this winter was uh, a little bit uh, milder than uh, typical winters, uh, the cattle weren't eating as much feed, and therefore those feed supplies uh, were stretched uh, a little bit further than normally we would expect. And when it comes to uh, storage, uh, hay storage, um, what, what are some things farmers should uh, keep in mind uh, to protect against um, uh, damage? Well, what we're looking at right now is that um, typically uh, most springs, we do have some uh, spring runoff. Uh, we have uh, fields that uh, have water laying in them for uh, uh, a short period or an extended period of time. And uh, if uh, a producer hadn't got uh, those bales off of the uh, field uh, last fall or during the winter, you know, it's, it's a good idea to, to move those, those bales to high ground so that they don't get damaged by being uh, uh, flooded or, or drowned out and um, soaking up a lot of water, which later on can cause those bales to heat. So right now it's just a matter of if you've got bales out in the field, try and get them off the field. Lastly here, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Green Gold Program. Uh, tell us what's happening this year. Well, the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is once again going to be uh, 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 putting on or uh, promoting the Green Gold Program. And uh, so at this time of the year, we're always looking for uh, producers that have a, a field with alfalfa in it, uh, whether it's a pure stand or a, or a stand that has a, a high percentage alfalfa. And if they are interested in, in uh, taking samples off that field during the, the early part of the growing season, uh, normally the end of May till about the first or uh, second week of June, and submitting samples on our behalf to the uh, central testing lab, uh, we'll 
analyze that, that alfalfa, give the producers an idea as to how the relative feed value is changing, and um, get the results not only out to them, but to producers throughout the province. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Time for a look at your farm news for today. The federal government announced a stay of default last week on repayments for the 2018 Advanced Payments Program to September 30, 2020. The Canadian Canola Growers Association is one of the program administrators. President and CEO Rick White says farmers are being given more time to repay their 2018 cash advances. In our instance, uh, there are still about 1,600 farmers with 2018 balances. That amounts to about $136 million left outstanding. So those 1,600 farmers with that money outstanding will now have an extra six months to, uh, to, to pay that debt down as they, uh, as, they, as they deliver the grain. White says farmers who have questions about their cash advance should contact the CCGA. The president of Keystone Agricultural Producers says he understands the province's move to defer a planned PST cut and its Manitoba Green Plan due to COVID-19, considering the economic changes that have taken place since government introduced its 2020-21 budget only a few weeks ago. Bill Campbell notes, according to the premier, the two initiatives are still a part of the province's future plan. I think you know, looking forward that agriculture would like to see some form of clarity between the provincial and federal government with regards to the carbon tax slash green levy when we get into our harvest season, uh, where that will be, uh, because we realize that next week there will be a 50% increase in the carbon tax unless the federal government deals with that relatively shortly. So... Premier Brian Pallister announced last month his government planned to enact a $25 per ton flat tax, while the federal levy is a rising tax, growing to $50 a ton by 2022. And an updated Canadian food price report says Canada's food industry is being decimated by the COVID-19 pandemic. The report out of the University of Guelph and Dalhousie University is predicting annual restaurant sales will be slashed by half this year as consumers spend more of their dining out budgets at grocery stores. The report says the disruption should lead to menu prices being slashed significantly. That was a look at your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Tuesday, March 31st. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler follows up on news that autonomous platform company Dot Technology has been sold to Raven Industries. In the last few years, DOT technology has really made a name for itself with the development of the autonomous platform. Now Norbert Bojo tells Glenda Lee Allen Vossler he's decided to sell DOT to Raven Industries. Originally, I went into semi-retirement uh, with the mission to, to work out a way of getting Seedmaster ready for the autonomous agriculture future. 
So this all started strictly from trying to figure out a way to do an autonomous uh, cedar. And when the idea started coming to me uh, of of an open U platform that that we've developed through DOT, uh, uh, it got a lot broader than my initial intent. Now, of course, various pieces of equipment had to be modified for use with the power platform. Where do we sit today? Well, there's quite a few pieces of equipment that have been done, uh, like the uh, Pattison uh, sprayer, the Seedmasters uh, 30-foot cedar, of course, and Seedmasters played around with the grain cart and the land roller as well. Uh, there's a new leader uh, fertilizer spreader out of the U.S. that's been adapted for it. So there's a lot of interest. It it is a big project overall because you're right, it it requires a slight redesign on on almost on on every piece of implement to to make it adapt properly. You have sold Dot Technology Corp to Raven Industries. Was that a tough decision for you? And why did you look at selling it now when we're really just starting to see things gearing up? Yes, it was a tough decision, first of all, because it was kind of like my baby. Uh, but it it involves a lot more than, than I or my family is capable of in terms of financial investment and risk. So it it just became a natural happening. Uh, we got it to the stage, uh, proof of concept stage and and testing stage that we know it'll it'll work. It'll uh, it'll do a lot for farmers and uh, uh, really uh, it takes a, a larger company to to take it forward from here on. Now, as we mentioned earlier, that company is Raven Industries. Joining me right now is Wade Roby. Wade is Executive Director of Raven Autonomy and General Manager of DOT. And Wade, talk to us about the relationship that resulted in the purchase of DOT. A number of years ago, we formed what's called a joint development agreement with DOT and began providing a number of different technologies that were utilized or incorporated onto the DOT platform. Uh, as that relationship progressed, we saw tremendous value in DOT as not just a technology, but also a vehicle to bring autonomy to market more rapidly. We'll still have a, a relationship with Seedmaster. They do manufacturing for DOT, and that relationship we intend to continue for some time. Uh, but we're really excited about this. It allows Raven to take an additional step forward into autonomy and really uh, continue to maintain what we consider to be the pole position and bringing autonomy to the ag market. What is happening as far as selling the units? I, I know there's a, a number of units that are already out uh, on farms now. DOT had made a number of sales uh, over the last year. These were early units that they put out uh, in the field for uh, demonstration, but also early sales work uh, to, to demonstrate the platform to the market. Uh, we're ramping that up, and this year we hope to sell uh, somewhere somewhere around 25 units, uh, with them principally going to Western Canada uh, across a, a range of different um, applications this year. So uh, currently we have a, a cedar, a spreader, and a sprayer that are approved implements for DOT, and we're working on a, a couple of other implements uh, that we'd like to have ready to go by the end of the year. But we'll make uh, substantially uh, all our sales in Western Canada this year with a, with a few other uh, spot sales with partners will develop in other world areas as we look to bring bring DOT internationally. What kind of other units are you thinking of? 
Uh, there, there's a couple. So obviously right now we have a cedar spreader sprayer. We're, we're looking at a planter. We're looking at a land roller. Um, there's uh, a culture that's been considered uh, a couple of, a couple of different implements. We, we expect uh, that at, at full uh, realization, we'll probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of, of six to eight different implements, maybe even 10 implements that would operate with, uh, with the dot platform. And we'll probably have multiple implement partners in some of those specific implements uh, where, especially in different world areas, as we bring DOT internationally, we may find a local partner to build, let's say, a cedar or a sprayer or a spreader that would be um, that'd be a brand recognizable by that local market. So there's just tremendous opportunity as we go forward, not only to expand the number of implements and the functionality of DOT, but also to have a whole range of, of partners as we go internationally to different geographies. What kind of a future do you see for the autonomous technology and where do you see it going? We're really excited about this. We, you know, obviously when, when one considers autonomy, the first thing that comes to mind is resolution of some of the labor issues that people see on farm. And this isn't just a situation that affects North America. Uh, as we talk to partners in South Africa, in Australia, in Latin America, they're having tremendous issues with labor, not just labor accessibility, but in, in the education or the capability of that labor to do what are, are very sophisticated jobs on farm and to operate what are, are very sophisticated pieces of machinery. So automation certainly will mitigate uh, to a large extent that labor impact, but it goes much beyond that for us. We believe that when you bring autonomy, uh, machine control, application control more directly uh, into this uh, into this framework, we'll see a tremendous opportunity to optimize uh, production. That should improve the efficiency of farming. It should reduce the cost of farming, and should make the the farming solution uh, even uh, the enterprise value of that farming solution even stronger. So. We see a labor savings, but we also see a tremendous economic value for the farmer or the ag retailer alike. Additionally, because it'll be autonomous and, and we'll see this move to a situation where they're completely unmanned, this obviously would improve the safety around farming. We have a lot of uh, unfortunate accidents in farming. It's a, it's a uh, sophisticated, but also sometimes dangerous occupation. And automation will allow farmers to take a step back from that. And so we hopefully uh, in time will also see uh, an impact on the safety of farming as well. Once again, DOT technology being sold to Raven Industries. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. That's it for the Prairie Ag Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie Ag Wire will return Wednesday on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair, scheduled to happen this week at the Keystone Centre in Brandon, has been cancelled. The Manitoba Sustainable Energy Association annual conference, scheduled for April 8th in Morden, has been postponed. And the CAP Advisory Council meeting, planned for April 9th in Portage La Prairie, has been cancelled. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon, I'm joined by Dan Bossy, president of Egg Resource Company. 
who offered his thoughts following this morning's USDA stocks and seeding intentions report. Well, a quick summary for you is that the corn stocks came in about 180 million bushels, round figures, uh, from where traders were expecting 7.953 billion bushels. That's down a little over uh, or somewhere in the vicinity of 660 million bushels from last year. Uh, Soybean uh, stocks, 2.253, up slightly, about 18 million bushels from what traders were expecting. Wheat stocks at 1.412 billion bushels. Uh, again, pretty much right in the range, down from last year, for, uh, you know, but again, not a big surprise. And so when we look at the stocks numbers, corn supportive, beans a little negative, wheat right in line. All right. And I guess uh, the seeding intentions, uh, your assessment on that? Well, that's where the fireworks begin. The USDA indicated a U.S. corn seeding estimates of 97 million acres. That was at the high end, in other words, above the high end of any trade estimate, and the largest U.S. corn seeding estimate going back to 2012. Uh, such a seeding estimate would be up about 7 million acres from last year. How, if you had more corn being planted, of course, you're going to have less things like soybeans. Soybean seeding, 83.51. That was down about a million and a half from expectations though up again about uh, 7.5 million acres from last year. All wheat right in line, not a lot different, down about 1% from last year at 44.7 million acres. Though Durham wheat was the big decline in the United States, falling 14.3% to just 1.29 million acres. Of interest for Canadian farmers also is barley and oats. Barley seedings in the United States, 2.92 million acres. That was up 8.7%. In oats, uh, U.S. farmers planting a lot more oats at 3.01 million acres. That's the largest oat number in about a decade. Also seen a little bit negative for longer-term outviews. So if we look at the principal eight crops of U.S. crop production, 253.5 million acres. That's up about 3.5 million acres from what the USDA gave us back in their February Outlook Forum. And I guess uh, your assessment on, on these changes uh, from the latest data. Well, there's really no uh, no bullishness in the feed side of things. When you look at corn, barley, oats, sorghum, nothing really there. And so those numbers are seen as heavy for the markets going forward, assuming normal weather. Uh, if there is any bullishness, it may be in the oilseed side of it. Soybeans being a little more tighter in the end stock total. But as we think about the marketplace today, the big thing we're seeing in the U.S. is the ethanol industry and the destruction of gasoline demand. That's leading to ethanol plants probably cutting their corn usage in the last half of the crop year by 300 to 400 million bushels. So there's going to be plenty of supplies for everyone. No shortages indicated unless there's a major weather problem that's unforeseen today. And I guess just considering the significant number of unharvested acres that were left on the field last fall, how do you see that impacting uh, seeding intentions further for this spring? Well, North Dakota indicated that they would plant a lot less acres of corn, down about uh, almost 9%. And so we see in the data already that those unharvested acres are unlikely to be planted, maybe going to prevent plant or another crop. But North Dakota farmers indicated they wouldn't plant those acres of corn again. But everyone else in the Midwest really indicated that they liked the corn uh, opportunity and planted more acres, Illinois in particular being up uh, 9%. So it's that fat area of the Midwest that really indicated they would plant more corn and soybeans while the Dakotas looks like they reared back based on those weather problems that are still prevailing. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at your farm news. 
The federal government announced a stay of default last week on repayments for the 2018 Advance Payments Program, giving farmers another six-month extension. Rick White, president and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, says farmers won't have to do anything in order to take advantage of the extension. They do still continue to enjoy the uh, and take advantage of the, the interest-free of 2018. That is included in the extension. Um, the rollover provision to move their 2018 into a 2019 is still in play, although the, the deadlines for both those programs are now going to be uh, the end of September, so those are lined up on the same date now. So both 2018 and 2019 will come due on September 30th. White says farmers who have questions about their cash advance should contact the CCGA. The president of Keystone Agricultural Producers says it remains to be seen just how beneficial the federal government's ag relief package will be. $5 billion has been added to the credit capacity of Farm Credit Canada, which will amount to deferrals on loans and provide interest rate relief over a 12-month period. As well, all eligible farmers who have an outstanding advance payments program loan due on or before April 30th will receive a stay of default, allowing them an additional six months to repay the loan. Bill Campbell feels most people in the industry realize this is just another loan, which he says isn't what they need right now. There may be some beneficial parts to that announcement, but from our research, it kind of indicates that this is just an extension of credit. It will allow some forms of bridge financing and uh, the ability to maybe make some operations operational again for this year. Uh, but it still is a interest-bearing credit program. And an updated Canadian food price report says Canada's food industry is being decimated by the COVID-19 pandemic. The report out of the University of Guelph and Dalhousie University is predicting annual restaurant sales will be slashed by half this year as consumers spend more of their dining out budgets at grocery stores. The report says the disruption should lead to menu prices being slashed significantly. And that was your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. On behalf of producer Tim Friesen, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.